Welcome to Revealing the Diamond. I'm your host, Tiago Prem. This podcast, we explore spirituality, recovery, healing, faith, you name it. We do it all. We talk about some of the articles that I write and some of the experiences that I've had um, on the journey of recovery, but also on the journey of spirituality. I look at those as the same. And uh, this is our fourth season of the show, and I'm super stoked to be able to share it with you all. So let's get into it. Revealing the Diamond. I'm Tiago Prem. Let's go. Today on the show, we're talking about being a good ancestor. Essentially, we're going to look at my recent article. If you've been following me for the last little bit, you realize that I've been doing something on Medium. Medium's an app that you can go on your computer or your phone and you can read articles by different writers. And I've been really inspired by Medium and I'm super happy to be able to be sharing my work and my writing on there. So if you haven't checked it out yet, go to Medium and check it out. Download the app on your phone and then follow Tiago Prem and you can get the articles there. Another option is you can go to tiagoprem.com, my website, and just click on journal, super easy, the button's on your phone, and you can read the articles there. And then I do them on the podcast. I wanna share some exciting news about the podcast, and that is uh, we have video now on Spotify. So if you're a subscriber on Spotify, you can actually watch the video. If you're not a subscriber on Spotify, subscribe on Spotify. Or if you watch on Apple and you wanna see the video, then all you have to do is go to youtube.com backslash revealing the diamond with Tiago Pram and you can watch the show on there. Basically what's happening is Spotify, video and audio, Apple, audio, um, and YouTube. So those are how we're connecting with you all. I'm also on an Instagram, but I noticed recently that there's some shifts and changing changes happening around Instagram. And I wonder what the longevity will be for us being on there. So they're starting to ask for subscription money to be a part, uh, to be, to follow people. And I don't, uh, it doesn't really jive with me. So if you love the work that I do and you follow me on Instagram, I would recommend joining the mailing list. Go to tiagoprem.com. And from there, we can keep in touch and you can keep uh, a, being a part of this community and just kind of being leery about what they're doing over there at FB, if you know what I mean. Wink, wink. <laughs> you know what I mean? The book of face. I think y'all get, get the point. So I'll keep posting reels and everything on Instagram. And thanks everybody who uh, likes and shares the work that I do there. Um, but things are, things are shifting. A lot of shifts and changes happening in the world. And um, I just want to be prepared to continue to serve and connect with community. So today on the show, a healing ancestor for future generations. Um, I had an uncle pass away just last night. Uh, he wasn't well. And I just want to send some prayers uh, out to his family, his uh, partner, and his two kids. Um, he's a young guy and uh, really heartbreaking. And I've spent a lot of time over the, ba uh, over the past, oh, I don't know, six months or so, uh, reflecting on my lineage. Well, the past two years, reflecting on my spiritual lineage, and then just tying in, uh, looking at my blood lineage as of late. And this piece came through, and as I was writing it, I got the news that uh, he had passed over. So, uh, so much love, Uncle Randy. Thank you for all of the laughs through the years. And uh, we did some hard 
work together doing some irrigation and uh, you were larger than life uh, in so many ways so thank you for uh, your contribution to my life and to this family and to this line uh, many blessings to uh, your two kids my cousins and to uh, my aunt you are now an angel for her on the other side so thank you uh, for being you and for being there uh, for us as a family bless you so I, I'm going to do kind of the same thing we've been doing in previous episodes. Thanks, everybody, who really loved the addiction and faith episode. And also for all of... I've gotten a lot of messages from folks who really enjoyed the Invisible Jesus, if it weren't for the Christians that I knew episode. Um, and there's an article for that, again, on Medium or go to the journal on tiagoprem.com. Uh, thank you for that. And, and I want to do the same kind of setup for this show. Uh, but before I do that, don't forget about your sponsors. Uh, thank you to The Minds Dye for everything that you do for the show. If you want custom dyed anything, kimonos, fabrics, bed sheets, hoodies, uh, sweatpants, and, you know, like full sweatsuits, that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, check out The Minds Dye. They do amazing dye work. And you can reach them on the Etsy store or message them on Instagram and get yourself hooked up with some custom dye. So mind like your mind and dye like dye fabric. They've been a sponsor to the show for a long time and we're super grateful for everything that they do. Okay, are we ready? Let's get into it. A healing ancestor for future generations right here on Revealing the Diamond. If you love the work that I do and you would like to go deeper into the explorations of the work that I do, there's two ways to do it. I'm thinking about an online community and I haven't done it yet. I've sort of played with the idea, but if that's something that you're interested in, please email me uh, at tiagoprem at tiagoprem.com. The other option is one-on-one -on -one mentoring. This for me in my journey, since I was a kid, having a mentor has been one of the most influential um, aspects of my practice. So if you would like to work one-on-one -on -one with myself, the programs are 90 days long minimum and they're custom uh, integrated. So there's practices that you do, reflections that you do, we're in conversation and in communication. If that's something that you wanna do, apply today, go to tiagoprem.com, Go to the mentorship tab, click it, send in your application, and then we'll go from there. All right? Bless you. All right, so a healing ancestor for future generations. Um, as I mentioned in the intro, we're going to go through it and take a look at uh, this article, this uh, piece that I wrote, and then we'll riff a little bit on it as we go. Uh, you know, the show is usually 40 minutes to an hour, something like that, depending on the length of the of the piece that we're exploring. I hope it speaks to you. And if you want the text copy, you can get it at tiagoprem.com or go to the Medium app. So here's here's what it says. The pandemic was hard on so many of us. A time of loss and confusion. A time when we've allowed fear to influence the way we participate in this world. Yet it has also been a time of new beginnings, healing the past, awakening to gratitude for the present, and a revisioning of the future. So I've been watching, you know, everything that's happening in the world, the, the 
trucker convoy in Canada, uh, these different mandates and the division that you're hearing amongst people. Um, you know, you're either pro this or anti that, you're with us or against us, all that. And I've been reflecting recently about, uh, I read this great book, it's called Original Blessing, I highly recommend it. And in the book, they were doing this look at the Garden of Eden story. And they were talking about how in the Christian faith, there's this concept of original sin that came up. You know, we're all born sinful and we need, we need to be saved in order for that sin to, uh, well, it kind of just stays with us the whole time. And then maybe when we die, we'll be free from it. And they're saying in the book, what, what I really liked is that that's not even a biblical idea. That's something that's come out of uh, customs and traditions. And actually, we're born in original blessing. And when we were born into this this creation story that's thousands of years old, um, you know, we take it as a met metaphorical, essentially, but Adam and Eve are told not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which are these pairs of opposites, and uh, and then they they do that. And I like the perspective that this is like a coming of age story, like when you're a baby, you don't um, you don't really know anything outside of the experience that you're having. And hopefully, I mean, I know this isn't true for all babies. But hopefully you're born into a family that cares for you, and then you don't have any worries or any real knowledge of good and evil. You have to learn about it, about love and fear. You have to learn about these emotions, these experiences, this frequency and vibration that permeates everything in this realm of opposites where we live. And then as you learn about that, you realize that there are there's suffering, like the wisdom of the Buddha, you know, that that in order for you to grow food, it requires effort. You know, when you're a baby, you think, oh, you just go to the... Some people are still babies as adults now. You think, oh, you just go to the store, you pay your money, you eat your food, and then life goes on. You eat what you like. But in reality, food has to be raised. It requires effort and, and hard work. And then out of that, you're able to sustain yourself. And the same thing with the... Um, when a mother, like a mother, the mother earth wants to uh, multiply... Right? wants to give fruit and give new life, and, and human beings are a part of that. And also the realization that to um, you know, regenerate and, and expand and, and grow, that, that there's pain in that. There's labor pains and that kind of thing. So they become aware of the pain in this coming-of-age story. And God is, doesn't, you know, paradise doesn't disappear. We think it disappears, but actually we still hopefully have a, a positive childhood where we remember what it was like to not have uh, pain, and then we remember the things that caused pain. And as we go, perhaps the, uh, you know, I think about in yoga, we have the left side and the right side, the feminine and the masculine parts of the, uh, the body and of experience, same as the days, night and day, sun and moon, that kind of thing. And, and as we become really aware of these pairs of opposites and we do some practices like breathing and devotional practices and meditative practices, we start to see that there is a middle path. The Buddha called it the middle path or a, uh, we call it kundalini in yoga. There's this central uh, space of original blessing where we can connect to our original nature, which is also in the uh, story of in the Garden of Eden, um, but in order to do that, it requires a, a wisdom or a knowing 
that is beyond the surface of I go towards pleasure and I avoid pain. I go towards heaven and I pretend hell doesn't exist. I go towards life and I pretend that death is not real. Um, you hear what I'm saying here? And so I look at, I'm looking at what's happening in the world right now, and I see, you know, the thing about social media and the internet is it magnifies everything. So if you go looking for hope, it will magnify hope. If you go looking for despair, it will magnify despair. If you go looking for whatever it is, it will uh, amplify and magnify that, which is a challenging thing if your work, like say you're engaged in recovery work or in spiritual work or healing work, and so your work is to realize or to um, regenerate, rebirth, revision, reconnect with your original blessing that you're born into, connect to God, which Jesus, by the way, he said the two most important things in the Bible that you do is love the Lord your God with all your heart and treat your neighbor the way you want to be treated. Um, so we're still dealing with the same thing thousands of years later. These pairs of opposites are very convincing. Some people are bad. Some people are good. I don't like them. I like them. And we're not able to connect with the love that is our divine source Love the Lord your God with all your heart. God is love. So learn to love with all your heart, and then you can treat the others, uh, what appears to be others, the way you want to be treated. That is the return to the Garden of Eden, the return to uh, freedom that we're seeking. Um, that's part of our, our life. I don't, I don't know why it's that way, but it's that way. And, and, and having uh, some spiritual practice, some devotional practice will help to bring you back into that state of original blessing so that when you're navigating these pairs of opposites, you don't fall completely into the fear. You don't fall completely into the idea that everything is bad. You don't go looking for the bad constantly, uh, even if even if it's for a sense of justice or whatever it might be, but you're looking for how you can serve and and by doing simple things, feed people, help somebody, you know, do something rather than sit behind a keyboard pointing the finger at you're wrong, I'm right, my way's right, your way's wrong. It's just exhausting. So I learned a lot from uh, the the spiritual people that I've met in my life, the angels that have come along the path and showed me what it means to return to that original blessing. And uh, one commonality, whether they were Sikhs or Christians or just uh, people who didn't subscribe to any faith who were connected to the earth, there's a common thread, and that common thread is rather than intellectually be pulled towards the need to be right, instead put, some, put, put your money where your mouth is, they say, but let's replace with money. Put your love where your mouth is and cover it up with love and go out and, and do something kind for somebody. And, and then all of that good, bad, right, wrong will, will soften a bit. And so I started the article, uh, I know that was a bit of a, a, a meandering, but I just wanted to share that with you because this book has been so powerful. But the idea uh, being that, you know, we, we've allowed fear to influence the way we participate in this world. And at the same time, many of us that I've spoken to have experienced new beginnings a healing of the past, awakening to gratitude for the present, and a revisioning for the future. So I wanted to share that with you all. For my family and I, we closed the doors of the Dharma Temple, our spiritual centers for healing and elevation in Canada, where, where we were living. Uh, and this was really hard for us, because not only was Dharma Temple where we earned our living, but it was also, first and foremost, a space for community, 
a church of sorts for our spiritual family to gather, to sing together, to dance together, to cry together, to breathe together, to sweat together. Um, and, and so closing the doors on that space was like the death of a, of a family member. It was really hard for us. And it was a great honor to be a steward for that space, but closing up shop during this, uh, this pandemic was really hard for us. And I also personally experienced a lot of death over this pandemic, uh, including the grief connected to the passing of four friends. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, another uh, a family member just passed away this week. Um, and uh, plus the betrayal associated with the spiritual death of character, I'm calling it a spiritual death of character because his physical body had passed a long time ago, um, of a teacher I held in, in high regard. So the feeling the betrayal of... I, I put somebody on a pedestal and looked at them in a, in a certain light, and then when I found out that they weren't that, I felt a lot of pain around that. Um, anyways, to make a long story short, he was not who he claimed to be, and I, I recognize and take responsibility for my role in, in you know, elevating him to that status. That is uh, idolatry, in a sense, you know. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and treat others the way you want to be treated, not love the Lord your God with all your heart and worship this man over here and then try and treat every... You know, I kind of added an extra stage to that, and that's the idolatry piece, and so I learned a lesson in that. And it doesn't mean it was all bad, like I said in the previous episodes. It's not all bad. There's a lot of good in that. There's a lot of good in humanity because we can see the uh, original blessing in the person. But if we put too much emphasis on... We can become blind, Right? That's the, the, the polarities that we live in. So uh, anyways, I, I, I've since forgiven him, but we can save that for another time. There was so much letting go happening in my world that I was left constantly feeling lost and confused. And every time I would try to rally and face the day, start a new project, connect with community, something else would come along and push me back down into the grief and depression. Anybody had that experience during this pandemic? You'd feel like you were getting through the thick of it, and then when you were ready to rise up, you get pushed back down again. And it's been a, quite challenging. Um, then we would start to hear whispers that people would not be allowed to leave Canada during the pandemic. And after so many letdowns from our provincial government where we lived and the federal governments, we made the decision to leave Canada. And so our family packed up our whole lives, sold as much as we could, had a couple of garage sales, put things in storage, hustled from 5 in the morning till 11 o'clock at night, just go, 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 go. And then we boarded a plane to Costa Rica. And we did this all in three weeks, which for us was a major feat. It was a big, big task. It took a lot of effort, blood, sweat, and tears, but we did it. And after a long red-eye flight through the night, followed by a 10-hour harrowing van ride, weaving through the highways and the ditches in the jungles of Costa Rica, we made it to our destination. And the jungle was magic. The sounds, the sweat, the sounds of the jungle, I mean, it was full blast. It was like listening to one of those jungle CDs, you know, like uh, nature sound CDs on 11, turned all the way up to 11 on the dial, but in real life, it was, it was amazing. The sounds, the sweat, the fresh fruit, and the beaches. It was wild and more alive than any place I've ever been. 
Once we were established in our tiny jungle bungalow, we started to find a routine. Homeschooling, yoga practice, trips to the market, cooking beans and rice. We were ready for the next chapter of our life. And then I experienced a big shift. About a month after our arrival in the jungle, I started to feel pain in my body. A strange pain. Not like an injury from my daily dedicated yoga practice, but an aching pain. It was in all of my joints. It made me feel stiff, and I knew something wasn't right. You know, sometimes on the new moon, I was just uh, uh, telling a friend today, or yesterday, sometimes on the new moon, like everything just feels a little stiff, and so maybe I take a rest day. This was, this was something different. I could feel it. I didn't know what it was, but something was, was off. A day or two later, I got sick. And I got sicker than I've ever been in my whole life. And this sickness went on for weeks and weeks. And there were moments where I couldn't breathe. I experienced a life flashing before my eyes moment. You know, like you see in the movies or you read about in books. But this was a long, drawn out life flashing before my eyes, like a feverish dream. I remembered something one of my childhood mentors had said to me before we left Canada. I was describing my experience uh, about my pilgrimage to northern India, telling him about my trip to Punjab and the Himalayas or the Himalaya Mountains, a place I had dreamed of going since childhood. I would lay in my bed on the top bunk and imagine I was an explorer high in the Himalayas in the magical land of India, the India of my imagination. I told him about Guru Nanak and Harimandar Sahib, the Golden Temple about Tibetan monks and Sikh warriors and the 84 steps I had prayed on through the night with some of my closest friends. We were on a pilgrimage where we recited this prayer through the night in Gurmukhi, the language of the Sikhs, for 15 hours and 23 hours, my friends, for 23 hours. It was truly a life-changing experience. Now, this ch uh, childhood mentor of mine is a devout Christian, not the dogmatic kind, but the kind to everyone, at least to my, at least from my perspective, kind to everyone and steady in his faith, you know, embodying that heart of Jesus. He was a mentor to me as a kid. When I was a boy, he saw the interest I had in the Buddha and took me to learn about yoga and the philosophies of the East, despite them not being the same faith that he practiced, nor the same religion that I was ra uh, raised on. I was raised in a Christian home. My father was a pastor. He also gave me books to read, including my first book by Alan Watts, who has been very influential on my journey. Alan Watts was a blessing and a curse in my life. The blessing was that he opened my mind to the philosophies and religious traditions of the East and inspired me to be a teacher. Hearing him speak, like it just... Was a, it felt like a, my soul was waking up. His words of wisdom were like a whispered calling towards the life I live today. And I knew that even now. Like, I didn't know I would be here doing what I'm doing, and the pen, not, not the specifics, but I knew that I wanted to do what Alan Watts was doing, carry that kind of wisdom and knowledge and eloquence in the way that he speaks. And yet the curse was his ability to deliver inspiring insights on dharma while plastered from the drink. His ability to teach while being drunk kept me drinking alcohol for far too many years after I should have. And I don't like to bust that should word too much, but the should was for me personally, like 
you know this isn't for you, keep doing it. You know this isn't for you, keep doing it. And the ego or the devil, I, I you know, I think about ego and devil as being synony- synonymous terms. This inner voice inside of me is going, this isn't for you. And then this other voice is going, it's fine. Alan Watts can drink. Just drink. You know, you're sharing these profound teachings. Oh, aren't you wonderful? And aren't you, you're just like Alan Watts. And this part of me is going, you don't have to be like Alan Watts. You could just be you. And that's God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and treat others the way you want to be treated. I kept saying to myself, if Alan Watts can teach on uh, teach the Dharma or teach on Dharma <laughs> uh, drunk, well, then so can I. For those of you who don't know Dharma, like Dharma is a big, big term. We could do a whole show on it. But for the sake of today, let's call it um, the purpose of life, the way of living, okay? Eventually, I came to the realization that I'm not Alan Watts, nor do I want to be. I don't have to be. I can be inspired by him and keep him as a teacher in my life, and in doing so, learn from him in more ways than looking at the shiny good stuff. Oh, isn't he so shiny and wonderful? And wouldn't I love to be like him? Comparison, it's an ego trip. It's a devil trip. His eloquent words and his inspiring intellect. Well, I can also learn from the challenges he faced one of them being alcoholism. And I can look at, I don't just have to look and think, oh, all these good things. It's too one-sided in a world of polarities. And if I get into that meditative space, that open space of of awareness, I can see he had a lot of challenges too. And I share those challenges. That's what makes him a teacher for me. And so I've kept listening to Alan Watts, the whole gamut of his teachings, the whole picture. And then eventually I quit drinking. Anyways, before we left on our exodus from Canada, my childhood mentor said to me, have you ever wondered if the roots of your faith will play a role on this journey that you're on? Have you ever wondered if the roots of your faith will play a role on this journey that you're on? And he wasn't leading me in any way or trying to convert me. He just asked a question. And I didn't really give it much thought at the time, but I did hear it, and it did stick like a little seed in the soil. He was referring to my faith in Jesus as a child. I had a deep faith as a young boy and was the son of a pastor, as I mentioned. And uh, he, he, my father later went back to school and became a courtroom lawyer, but I was around that uh, faith and, and spiritual practice and around the church when I was a boy. And, you know, my, grand, my grandparents on both sides were devout Christians, and my great-grandparents had a deep faith in Jesus. No one was especially religious, but the heart of Jesus was and is alive in our family line. This heart of compassion, this um, being moved by the spirit of of the one in music, uh, striving to be generous and kind to uh, to all, like this sort of, and, and then being inspired through music and through the scriptures in in the Bible as a part of my family line. And when he said this, I really didn't, you know, it didn't land in a major way, as I mentioned. But when I was lying in bed, frail and fevered, wondering if I was going to survive the sickness, those words kept playing in my head. As a yoga practitioner, I've always resonated with classical yoga practice, Ashtanga yoga, the eight limbs of yoga practice. And I've also been inspired by the devotional aspects of yoga, bhakti yoga, to be a, a, a Christian is a bhakti yoga. It's a devotional yoga. 
um, as uh, as well as the other uh, yogas that have really inspired me in my life. They are devotional. Okay? And then when I discovered Guru Nanak and Gurbani, the spiritual music and wisdom of the Sikhs, or Sikhs, I felt a very deep heart connection, a connection that began to open me up to the possibility of having faith in something greater than the pain caused by the years of addiction and self-destructive behavior, you know, and, and also the years of just looking out for me. What's in it for me? What can I get? How can I manipulate the situation? How can I, you know, which comes out of this feeling of lack. I mean, that's what causes this addiction. Something's missing, so you're grasping on for something, and and when it comes up painful and you keep doing it, that cycle itself is, is addictive uh, behavior. Years prior to this near-death experience in the jungle, I had gone heart-first into the world of kundalini yoga as taught by Yogi Bhajan. And to be honest, it was the bhakti yoga of the Sikhs that really moved me, right? The uh, devotional music, this idea that sound is the medicine like if you go to the golden temple uh, in amritsar it's just music nobody's giving a message or a teaching it's uh, just constant uh, devotional sound it's very inspiring a very peaceful place and i hope that i'll be able to go there in the physical body again in my life it really moved me in a deep deep way um, but this bhakti yoga of the six really moved me the gurbani I really liked the yoga that I learned from the Yogi Bhajan tradition, but it was the nod, the, the N-A-A-D, nod, the sound current of the Sikhs that was, in that I was experiencing this profound healing, which was like um, a willingness to open my heart to the faith that I had as a child. I didn't see that at the time. I wasn't thinking about Jesus when I was in uh, Punjab or when I was doing Kundalini Yoga, but my heart was healing and preparing to be open. And that's why during that time I stopped drinking and, and made some shifts and changes in my life. Okay. It was a preparation. The techniques are a preparation for yoga to uh, return home to God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And, and if that, those words, Lord and God, don't resonate for you, remember God is love. So love the love, your love, with all your heart. I think love might be important. <laughs> I think the root of who you are, where you're born in original blessing is love. So you could just use that word, right? God is love. That's a biblical teaching. And then when all the scandal came out around Yogi Bhajan and his harmful behavior, and remember, this is not a man I had met in person. I had a, um, a dream experience with him that was quite profound and i could share that on another episode if you're listening to this and you would like to hear that story and you haven't heard it let me know send me a message and uh, we, we can talk about that in the next episode but i pulled back after hearing about you know the the truth about yogi bhajan was coming out i pulled back from teaching and practicing kundalini, kundalini yoga i had to i tried not to because the practice was so helpful for me as i mentioned but I just couldn't keep going. Every time I would practice, I would have a swirling mind of negative thoughts, and that's not so helpful when the world around you feels like it's falling apart. I couldn't even listen to Gurbani, which had brought me so much peace. I just couldn't do it. It just put me into this negative space. And it wasn't about the Gurbani, it was about 
just feeling betrayed and feeling the grief of losing uh, community and, and wondering who I can trust. It was really hard. My heart was broken. I couldn't listen to any mantra or any music that reminded me of the pain and loss that I'd experienced. No matter how much I tried, somehow I would always end up back in the suffering inside of my head. Let's take a little break here and talk about the new course that I have available. It's called the Quick Fix Six. It's a beautiful practice. So just to relate to the episode that we're talking about today, um, when I was getting back into doing yoga after being sick, and you'll hear about it in this um, episode, but I started to do some simple movements that really helped me to get back into my body, get back into my strength, and, and then I could incorporate some of the devotional elements that I'm sharing in this episode. And, and it, I'm still doing the practice now. Months later, I'm still doing these quick fix six practices, and I wanted to share them with you all. So this course is really accessible. It's only 49 US dollars. There's three practices. I do the whole thing in the morning as a complete practice, but you could pick and choose, like just do one short little practice of the three or do the whole thing. It's amazing. I'm still doing it. I'm still uh, experiencing the benefit of it. And I just know that if you feel like you could, like you, if you're listening to this and you're like, I've had similar experiences to what you've gone through with Kundalini Yoga, with uh, being sick, with um, loss of faith and not knowing where to turn, get the Quick Fix 6 course. It's only 49 bucks. No problem. If you need extra support, you can also sign up for an option where you know we do a little more hands-on, one-to-one coaching. So check it out. If you're listening to this episode and you're like, that's me, get the course. It's It has video practices, audio practices, and also a, a digital manual. So if you're wondering what to do after Kundalini Yoga or you want to try yoga or you're um, practicing Christianity and you feel like, should I be able to do yoga, There's there's... You can fill in whatever spiritual practice you want, you know, even if you're an atheist. It's just the basic structure of what helped me to heal as I was going through this process. So get the course. It's at tiagraprem.com. It's called the Quick Fix Six, and it's great medicine. Okay, welcome back. Uh, so let's get back into it. I was just sharing, you know, how I couldn't do the yoga, and uh, and then I'm just about to get back into what was happening while I'm lying there sick in, in Costa Rica. So I'm laying there in my Costa Rica jungle bed, my mind filled with doubt and illness, and I knew I had to do something to heal. Otherwise, I'd die there in the jungle. Really, that's how I felt. And, the, and that was the extent, the fullness of the suffering I was experiencing physically, mentally, spiritually. But some part of me knew that I still had work to do in this life. And so I started to listen to Guru Nanak again. I started playing the prayer Japji Saab in the morning. This piece has been a great source of inspiration in my life. In fact, I've even written a book about it called Merging with the Infinite. And if you're interested in that, let me know. I'm just working on a revision to re-release that. And I think... Uh, I think the revision is really going to serve people, so stay tuned for that. I would listen to the Japji while I closed my eyes and deep belly breathed. So here's the thing. I was coughing a lot when I was sick, like really intense coughing to the point where I couldn't even get an inhale in. And there was a moment even when I, my partner said, 
do I need to take you to the hospital? And I said, I had a friend who passed away because of complications uh, after having a ventilator. And I knew that they might put me on a ventilator. And I was just like, no, I don't need that. I just need a moment. And she went away and I sat down and I said a prayer and I just calmed down and I focused on bringing breath into my body. Okay. So when I did recover, my prayer was answered. Like we're going to explore in today's episode. Um, when I started to recover, what I would do is I would put the Japji on in the morning and I would try and deep belly breathe. Now I've been doing pranayama and yoga for decades and my lung capacity is very good. <laughs> you know, it's very full. But after being sick like that, uh, you know, what would I could inhale 30 seconds, 30 count. I could hold my breath for a minute, two minutes. Um, and then at this point, I could probably inhale for four seconds and hold my breath maybe for six. It was a big change. My body was weak. It was painful to breathe. But what I did is I started to listen to the Japji Sab. I listened to my friend Bachinkor's um, version of it. It's so great. Check it out. Bachin is B-A-C-H-A-N-Kor, K-A-U-R. I love her version. I listen to other versions as well, um, but I love her version. It's very magical. And so I would listen to her version of the Japji Sab in the morning, and for 20 minutes, I would just focus on breathing deeply into my belly. And it was amazing because it was it was the physical, the breath of life, the physical, what inspires the body. Um, and at the same time, it was this devotional aspect, this prayer that really brought a lot of healing and connected me to uh, my spiritual um, teachers and also to my friends that I was in India with and you know, feeling like, am I ever going to get to go to India again? Am I ever going to get to go to New York again and see uh, my teachers in these wonderful healing spaces? I know I can go there beyond body. I'm aware of that. But just your mind sometimes goes when it's sick, it goes to these places of like, am I ever going to be able to go to Dharma Yoga Center in New York again? Will I ever step foot in the Himalayas and in Dharamsala where the, the Dalai Lama lives and, and the Golden Temple? Like, you know, when you start thinking about, there's fear that comes in. And I was doing my best to uh, cultivate courage. And for me, courage was deep belly breathing and putting the Japji on. And that was my practice. And it was starting to give my lung capacity uh, back after all those weeks of this horrific cough that nearly took my breath from my body. And the Japji started to open my heart again. And I started praying again. And as the days went by, I started to hear the words of my childhood mentor. What about your roots? Would you go back to your roots? It was then that I started to talk to Jesus, the same way I had as a boy. And I hadn't done this for a very long time, not since my years of battle with drug and alcohol abuse, the times when I would come to Jesus broken, asking to be healed of hangovers or pulled from the wreckage of self-destructive behavior in exchange for a commitment to living a healthier lifestyle. You know, like, if you would just take this hangover away, if you would just take this pain that I feel because I've blown up my life by hurting the people that I love, then I'll be good. I'll go to church. I'll eat healthy. I'll exercise. I'll just take this away. And you know what? It took me 20 years to learn to keep my promise, to trust myself, and to be in a trustworthy relationship with God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. 
There in the jungle, I looked death in the face, and there he was. My best friend as a youth, just me and him. No religion, no dogma, no right and wrong, no fear, just the Garden of Eden, just the love of Jesus. From my bed after Japji Saab, I started listening to gospel music again. And with the help of an incredible partner, a wise naturopathic doctor, my family, and the prayerful support of a group of men I know and love, I started to get better. Big shout out to the KMC WhatsApp group. Thank you, all of you. I just, anyone who has, is sick in your life, just be there for them. Text them every day at a certain time, you know, whatever it takes, because that WhatsApp group was incredible medicine for me. So thank you. Of course, there are other factors, medicines and routines, which I can share in a later episode. But one thing is for certain, Jesus played a major role in my healing. And the cleansing came primarily through the praise and frequency of spiritual music, through the gospel music, through the Japji Saib. My faith grew bigger than it's ever been, really. I started weeping daily, tears of gratitude, rather than being afraid that I wasn't going to get better or, you know, worried or apathetic or whatever the frequency was, I started to weep tears of gratitude that I'm, I'm alive. And I would play these inspiring songs and I would pray and I noticed I was getting stronger every day, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. I started reading the Bible again and found some very inspiring pastors and writers who really helped me to heal. Check out Erwin McManus. Wow, huge in my life right now. And a mentor, even though we haven't met, he, 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 I'm calling him in as a mentor in my life. And also Rachel Held Evans, who, who doesn't live in her body anymore, but her writing is just pushing me to get my pen on the page and write every day after my spiritual practice. I'm so thankful for, for these incredible teachers inspiring me. Once I was strong enough to travel... I was weak. I lost a lot of weight. We went to Panama to stay with my family, you know, to eat good food and to uh, really focus on where do we go from here. And I was able to eat again, and my, stre my strength came back as my faith in Jesus grew stronger and stronger. My ego, a.k.a. the devil, questioned my decision to be open about my faith. Oh, uh, if you tell them about Jesus, that you've had a healing with Jesus, if you mention the church or Christianity on your social media feed, people are going to unfollow you. They're not going to buy your course. They're not going to like what you have to say. They've been hurt by the church, and you're just going to make it worse. Don't share your faith. Don't tell the truth. Don't tell anyone about this. It will fail. You will fail. You are a failure. And I was like, I'm sorry. But those lies have held me back long enough. I am not going to be ashamed of my roots, my past, my ancestors, my relationship with Jesus anymore. I'm done. I'm healed. And I'm living for Jesus. Now, very important. That does not mean that everything in my life that has brought me here has to go. It does not mean that. Okay? I've done that so many times. Like when I was a kid, I would, I would have a, a healing experience with Jesus, and then I'd go all in, and I would be like, I'm only listening to gospel music, and I don't want to have any connection to the world, and I couldn't sustain it. 
and then I would fall back into drugs, and then I would get back into you know whatever spiritual practice, and then I would fall back into drugs, and then I would get. I'm realizing now, you know, in my 40 years of life, that everything that I experienced was God. The presence that is never in absence was always present. If it wasn't for the yoga and my teachers along the way, the people of many faiths and different backgrounds, I wouldn't be here talking to you about this. If it wasn't for the Buddha and Alan Watts and my childhood mentor who saw something special in me beyond dogma or religion, I wouldn't be here talking to you about this today. If it wasn't for Guru Nanak, I wouldn't have been open to reconnecting with the faith of my youth. It was all God. I know that's hard to understand through the lens of logic or religion or these pairs of opposites. You have to be a this or a that. But if I experience it all, honestly, through my heart, I can feel and know that it was all God. It was all God bringing me home to the one, to the love. One morning while I was laying on the floor after my yoga practice, gospel music vibrating, inspirational healing through headphones to my heart, body, and mind, a song by Carrie Joby and Elevation Worship was playing. And the song said, May his favor be upon you for a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. I could feel every one of my relatives who has prayed for me through the years of struggle I've had in my life with addiction. I could feel their genuine faith in my bones and my cells. Faith for generations coursing through me like electricity, healing every wound. It was so powerful. I wept tears of joy lying there on the floor. So I guess the answer to my mentor's question is, yes, I will return to my roots, to Jesus, by grace, via all of the wonderful teachers and teachings that I've had in this life. I will continue to learn from all of it and share the medicines that worked and be there for the people who are struggling with the poisons that held me back. I will explore these roots with great love and faith so that I may support the coming generations in our blood and spiritual line, the sickness in the jungle, the years of study in yoga and meditation, the healing hand of Jesus and the prayers of my ancestors have opened me up to experience this great awakening, this wonderful rebirth. I'm learning what it means to be supported by the faith of my youth, to honor my blood and spiritual ancestors, to be a healing vessel, a leader in this life. You know, I had so many teachers growing up who would say, you have so much potential to be a leader. Embrace that. Be the leader. It's been hard to, to get to a place where I can see it in myself. I had a, an inkling that it might be true, but after all this experience, I know it's true. I'm being called to be a leader through prayer, faith, and compassionate action. There's no doubt. I'm here to be a healing ancestor for future generations. And so it is. Now, I want to ask you two questions, and you could pause the podcast wherever you're listening or watching it. Here's the reflections. Number one, how has the support of your ancestors been there for you on your journey, your spiritual or your bloodline? 
How has the support of your ancestors been there for you on your journey? Write it in a journal. Write it down. And reflect on that as a meditative practice. And then the second is, how can you show up as a healing ancestor for future generations? How can you show up? Take responsibility for it, y'all. No blame. All responsible. Embody it. Live it. Who are you being called to be? How are you showing up as that healing ancestor for future generations? Let me know. Let me know what you learn. Share with me your insights. Thanks for being here, you all. And thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to Revealing the Diamond. It feels so good to be back. Remember, if you want to work with me, tiagoprem.com, you can get in touch. Join the mailing list. Very important. Get on that Quick Fix 6 course. And we've got a Yoga Sutras course that's going to drop soon. I'm really looking forward to sharing that with you all. If you have any comments or questions, get at me on email, tiagoprem at tiagoprem.com. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Rate us and review us on Spotify. You can also watch us on Spotify now. Keep listening. Keep sharing the work that we're doing with everyone. Read the articles. If you want to read them in the print form, you can go to Medium, medium medium.com. Just look up Tiago Prem or read the journal on tiagoprem.com. And that's it for this week. Go out there and be the healing ancestor for future generations. Thanks for listening to Revealing the Diamond. I'm Tiago Prem. Love you.